here we go. Western Conference Finals. Game one. Suns versus Clippers, downtown Phoenix. It's 100 hell outside, but the fans still lined up, showed up for this team, went to the arena, and it was still crazy hot in there too. Because you know what? Even without Chris Paul, Devin Armani Booker shredded the Los Angeles Clippers. The Phoenix Suns want, have won game one, are up 1-0 in the series, uh, 120 to 114. I welcome in everybody who is watching live and Matthew and Espo. And how's everybody doing? <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Huh? Very good. <laughs> Hell yeah, boys. Look, the nation was introduced officially to Armani mode today. That was the best stretch that I've seen Devin Booker in that second half. 16 straight points, hit the shots they needed, got his first career triple-double. He was amazing. He was legendary. No more B. Drop the B. He is legendary. Yeah, to have a superstar that can just really show up in these games, that's something because a lot of superstars, <clears throat> LeBron, cannot show up in these situations, <laughs> take over and help win a game for their team. That's Devin Booker. We have something like this to look forward to the rest of our sons' lives, and it's it's remarkable, man. So I'm just very very happy right now. You know, there's there's plenty to break down on this edition of the Suns Jam Session and Solar Panel Podcast, but I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't begin with just those three simple words: Big Dick Book, because that's what he was tonight, and that's what the Suns needed him to be. And, uh, you know, the way that he navigated this Clippers defense where they literally threw everything they could at him and he just had the answers time and time again. All of these things that we've seen through De from Devin Booker throughout his career have led to this moment. The point book minutes that he had for two seasons comes in handy in the fourth quarter when Cameron Payne gets his fifth foul. Seeing doubles thrown at him, you know, whether it be in, you know, uh, summer league games or not summer league games, uh, the, the summertime and see, you know, I mean, everyone's always doubling him. You know what? He's learned how to navigate all of that. And it came to fruition tonight on a, uh, a game in which they, they needed. I really think that this was a very valuable game for them to win. Don't you guys? Oh, definitely. Especially with CP three out, you set the tone, you say, Hey, even if this is extended a time in the health and safety protocol, we've got this right? They, they stuck it to the Clippers and made a statement in game one. And that's what you needed to do. You did not want to give up that home court. You fought so damn hard for all year long in game one of the Western conference finals because of a medical technicality, right? So they did what they had to do, but Tuesday night, they got to run it back. They got to do it again and protect that home court. That's the key here. You just don't let the Clippers take a game on your home court and everything is fine. And Matthew, it looks like you're joining us from Zips. Uh, so yeah, I got a yep. question. Are you are you going to be chugging with the fellas? Because this is the longest streak of the year for the Suns now. This is eight straight for your Phoenix Suns. So Matthew, you're chugging with the fellas? I am. I am. Actually, I got a half a beer right here. So let's do okay. it. Okay. Espo, are you going to be having a, a Coca-Cola Classic? I am not. I didn't have time to grab anything. I was actually watching the game uh, with my dad and ran oh, home fantastic. to the studio. So, so I, I got nothing. You guys chug for me, all right? All right. Well, this one is chugging with the fellas. Let me let, let me try that again. Oh, this wait, hold, on, hold on. This, hold on. Can we get Nephew Hayden in on this really quick? Yeah, Nephew Hayden is – hey, what up, Nephew Hayden? Hey, He's joining us from Kentucky. There you go. Chugging with the fellas, right, gents. Let's go. 
Tastes good. That is some good chugging. And on that note, <laughs> whew, I'm going to have to burp. So let's uh, let's play some intro music, huh? One hundred and twenty points for your Phoenix Suns. One hundred and fourteen points for the Los Angeles Clippers. Game one goes to the Suns. How we feel? Yes, that is accurate. <laughs> now, I, look, look, I I don't think this playoff run's been fun, right? The whole year has been fun, but today was probably the the most I was getting into it. I was screaming at the television. I was jumping up off the couch, you know, some of those big threes, the eight and dunks when, when Devin just took over in that third quarter, we've said it before, but there is something special going on here. It just feels like this team has everything you need. They have the crowd that's at the best I've ever seen a son's crowd. And the path is you know, not looking ahead or anything, but this, this is the, in, in general, this is, this is the, the, the most favorable path a Suns team has had. And even when you have those moments like, Oh, Chris Paul's shoulder, here we go again. We can't have nice things. Chris Paul and, and health and safety protocol, any of those things, it they're overcoming it, which the Suns teams of the past wouldn't have. Right. Uh, the the Suns teams of the past wouldn't be the irritant. They wouldn't be the ones forcing, uh, you know, the the toughness in games. They wouldn't be the ones taking charge and making it clear they were the ones running a series. This team does that. Even without Chris Paul today, that defense was great at times. You know where they swarmed mm-hmm. the offense. Once you know the first half was it was very jittery, right? I think a team takes over the personality of who's running point and campaign is very much high energy, uh, a lot of motion, not calm and, and collected like CP3. And they played like that. But then Book calmed them down in that third quarter and, and they embodied that the rest of the game. And that offense looked so smooth. I, 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 I saw everything I needed to, to, to believe in this team. And I stand by the fact that I think there was no real rust in this game because Chris Paul being health and safety protocol forced them to focus and lock in so much this week. Yeah. And I'll give my quick take really quick before I take off, but um, I suppose correct. I mean, this team, you believe in them. I, I actually cemented them in the finals. I didn't care who we played this series. This team was going to get to the finals. Now after last night's win with the bucks, it's like, you know what? I'm looking towards the championship. I think this is the year and usually I'm scared to even speak these things into existence, but it honestly doesn't matter because I've been doing it since we've won the last series and even during that series, and we're still winning. There's They keep showing up. It's very, very weird. It's a good weird, like Espo says, a lissy weird. And it, it <laughs> I, I feel great, and I'm, I'm full of butterflies. I'm full of everything. My voice is probably squeaking too because it's just, it's just really unreal how they're playing. And I just want to say to you guys, happy Father's Day. Um and to all the jamsters out there, happy Father's Day and everybody. And go Suns. And I'll uh, be on the next pod. All right. Well, Matthew, thank you for right. joining us live and on location. And, you know, you went and you picked up uh, nephew Hayden from the airport yep. today because he's in town for the next week. 
Uh, so thanks for doing that. And, uh, you know, we'll see you on the next pod. So, all right. Thanks guys. Let's go sons, baby. Thanks, Lissy. <laughs> Look, happy father's day to Devin Booker because Amen. he was the Clippers daddy, right? <laughs> when, when you're, uh, when you're BDB, right. Uh, you yes, know, sir. you, uh, you're bound to eventually impregnate somebody. And he, he did that to the Clippers. He, he was that unbelievable on father's day. So happy father's day, Devin, you, uh, you took care of business out there today. It, it was an absolutely fantastic performance. And, you know, I'll, I'll start at the beginning of the game and, you know, you were talking about the excitement that this, uh, franchise has and the fan base has around this team right now. And, before the game even starts, you know, congratulations to James Jones, who gets the executive of the year announced during the pregame, which is a great way to get that crowd going. Everybody's jumping. Everybody's excited. And then, you know, kind of, uh, you know, to your point, I really think that the defense for this team uh, was very vital in that first six minutes. So I was driving home from work and I was listening to the pregame show with Tim Kempton and he was talking about just that. He's like, uh, based on what Tyrone Lou had said, in his interview, he said, listen, the first six minutes are going to be very vital for this, uh, our, you know, the Clipper squad. They're a team that just played, you know, less than 36 hours, hours ago. They closed out, uh, you know, their opponent and, and made their way to Phoenix. I'm sure it was splendid coming down on that tarmac, feeling that 150 degrees just <laughs> reflect off at Sky Harbor. But you look at the, at the way that they played uh, defense in the first six minutes and they they negated what the the Clippers like to do, and they like that five out kind of offensive style. They're going to play the perimeter. They're going to run some iso ball. They're going to attack and kick. And the Suns, with DeAndre Ayton having the ability to defend the perimeter but still defend the interior, really kind of took them out of their game initially. Now, granted, twenty one to twenty one after the first half, or I'm sorry, first after quarter. the first quarter. Yeah, I mean that shows you that's a defensive game, and it was impressive to see them do so. Yeah, I mean, and big props to DA on both the offense and defensive end, right? Uh, offensively, in that first half, he helped carry them. He helped stabilize uh, that offense for them when Booker wasn't able to get his shots because of the defense that the Clippers were playing. And uh, look, the Suns weathered that storm. It would have been very easy to come out flat in that first quarter, and blame, oh, we've been off a week, oh, we don't have Chris Paul, yada, yada. They came through, and they played the way that they had to, so they could take over in that third quarter. And I can't I can't say enough. I, I, this is Devin Booker's game, 100%. Yes, first career triple-double. But DeAndre Ayton showed why he's that, uh, that star next to Devin Booker today as well on both ends of the floor. And we welcome to the podcast Saul Bookman coming to us live from – I don't even know. What is that background? Where this are you, the, Saul? This He's in the is club. the Nexus Club Lounge, baby. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> He's balling out of control there. He was at the game. Tell us a little bit about that environment. Tell us about how it felt in there when they announced James Jones as the executive of the year. It was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. And it was unexpected. Nobody knew what was going on. Everybody thought it was just uh, you know, a Father's Day greeting because that's what they started off with. And then all of a sudden... Robert Sarver's like, by the way, you're the executive of the year, and everybody just lost it. It was it was amazing. It was awesome. What a fantastic way to begin this game. And, you well, know, again, kudos to the fans who were there. Yeah, and, and Saul, you didn't get a chance to see this, but they had uh, DA wired for sound, and him freaking out, finding out that 
uh, that he was executive of the year uh, was was spectacular. He's like, wait, champ won it? Champ won it? And then he flips out. And, uh, you know, that was I, – I assume that was kind of the embodiment of what happened with the crowd because it was just fantastic. You know, I, I mean, this team wants to be recognized. You know what I mean? Like, I know they don't, they'll say that they don't care. They just want to win a championship. But they genuinely love each other. And when you watch this, you know, that, that, that's something about tonight that was just just awesome. You can see it across the floor every single minute. They just genuinely care about each other. They trust each other. And James Jones is a large part of that. He deserves every second and every little bit of credibility or every bit, a little bit of kudos that he gets, just like Monty Williams, just like Devin Booker, just like Chris Paul. Um, and that's what makes this team so great. And you saw it tonight on the floor. One to, to eight or nine, whoever, however many players played, they all contributed to some way uh, to this win, and it was just spectacular. And I got to say this. I love Devin Booker. I just <laughs> love Devin Booker. I, watching him in person tonight, it was a different vibe, and I don't think I've ever been more in love with a player before in my life. I love you, Devin Booker. I love you. <laughs> Saul, enjoy the champagne room because that's where we assume you are right now out there. Right? I mean, if this is the champagne room, I'd be waiting for somebody to come in here. Well, may- well maybe you are. Maybe you are. You know, we just caught you in between. He's waiting for Devin, according to, to that last statement. Look, I, I, I think the whole city feels the way you do, Saul. I mean, there is not a guy that right now uh, is is more beloved and uh going to be getting some uh, free drinks and free meals and, 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 you know, maybe the key to the city at at the end of all this, that's how much uh, people are enthralled with Devin Booker and rightfully so, you know, as, as Monty Williams looked at him at the end of the bubble and said, you've been through a lot. Well, this is why he went through a lot. I just just have one thing to say, and it was clearly obvious in the first quarter, the Phoenix Suns, I love you to death, but get DA the ball. Oh my God. It's it's ridiculous how much of a mismatch he is down there. In person, you're like, dude, there's nobody out here that can guard him. And they just didn't really look for him very much. And, you know, hey, it's an adjustment without Chris Paul, I know. But still, DA. Oh my God. Like, it's not even funny. Like, they need to get him the ball. Period. I'll let you guys go. Watch 2021. I think that's a nice segue before you before you bounce out of here, Saul, because I think uh, Dem Booker's waiting in the locker room. He's got a couple things he wants to tell you. Yeah, hey, but I just want to say that's all I had to say. DA needs the ball a little bit more. Hopefully Chris Paul comes back in game two. I love the Phoenix Suns. I love Devin Booker. I love you guys. Have a good rest of the show, buddy. Thanks, Saul. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We're getting a lot of love here, but between Lissy and Saul, I mean, I – They've both had a couple drinks here at three in the afternoon. I I think a few more than a couple based on how much love. If you've listened to the Saturday show, Saul's not really the lovey type usually. Maybe it's just a time of day kind of thing. You know, you get him up at eight in the morning and maybe he's a little grumpy. He's just not a morning person. Usually the night post game shows he's not either. So maybe there's just a sweet spot at 311 in the afternoon. That uh, that is perfect for that. So well, and I think it's a good segue to talk about DeAndre, and and there's plenty to break down in this game. You know, we we've all expressed uh, our excitement and our faith in this team right now. This is going to be a series. Just make no doubt about that, ladies and gentlemen. This was a fantastic game and a fantastic performance by Devin Booker. 
But one thing that the Clippers do well is they adjust. Take a look at their first two series. They were down 0-2 in both of them and won both of them. So think about that. They're going to take a look at the tape and they're going to adjust. So, you know, let's talk about some of the things that we saw in this game, some of the positives, some of the negatives, some of the adjustments that we're going to make and some of the adjustments that I think that they might make as well. And, and it's going to start with DeAndre because Saul was right. He could do anything he want in this game. He ended with a stat line of 20 points on 10 of 14 shooting. He had six uh, uh, defensive rebounds, nine uh, on the offensive end. Uh, I'm sorry, nine six and three, nine overall. Yes, six assists. Uh, you know, he really, when he wanted to, could do whatever he wanted. And, and of those 10 made field goals, it felt like nine of them were dunks, right? Yeah, well, you know, he doesn't dunk. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently he, not. Hurt. Uh, he he bent that rim. Look, if he keeps driving that hard, I joked on Twitter, he'll be part of uh, Vin Diesel's Fast 10 movie, all right? That's, <laughs> he was driving with reckless abandon is the way he's been uh, been going with it, and you got you to gotta love it, man. He, he is showing up, but the best play from him today was the pass to McKinney. Yes. yes. It was a beautiful assist. It, it shows how heady he is and how he understands what's going on around the, on the floor around him. And another reason why you probably should run the offense at times through him in this series, because not only do they not have anybody that can stop him, he can see when they get the double team on him to make the right pass. And, and that is that that is just what is so special about DeAndre Ayton. And, and one of the adjustments that you have to make. But you're right, Tyron Lue is going to make adjustments. Monty Williams is going to look at the film and make adjustments. And, uh, you know, let's let's be honest. Well, I'll save this until we get to the smoke break, okay? okay. I'll, say, I'll save. I got a lot for today's smoke Oh, break. I know. It's let's gonna say be, that. It'll be a good uh, smoke break. <laughs> uh, the, the only smoke that may be coming is when I burn the thing down, all right? <laughs> uh, so, but, but look, DeAndre Ayton needs to get the ball more. It, 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 at the end of the games too, right? There, when things in those last few minutes got a little too uncomfortably close, that's when getting it to DA down low can can help too. I know it's not in the DNA, but if you're without Chris Paul, you got to do things a little different. And we don't know what game two is going to be. So if you're without Chris Paul again, you got to look at that. If you're not, then Chris Paul and Devin Booger for mid-range usually can, can take care of that uh, that last few minutes. But uh, DA getting the ball is definitely an adjustment uh, on the floor that's going to need to happen. And in this series, you might see a, that adjustment from the Suns moving forward. You know, this is not going to be a series where we're blowing teams out by 15 points. That's a fact. They have too much firepower. They're the number one three-point shooting team in the league. They're the number one free-throw shooting team in the league. These games will be close. We will feel the stress like we felt today in the last five minutes of the game where every possession is valued and vital to the success of this team overall. And you can see when you get DA the ball, good things are going to happen in this series. What's important is knowing that Devin Booker is going to be doubled constantly and consistently. Uh, they're going to sag. They're going to throw a lot of things at Devin Booker. You know, you see some of the early doubles, the full court doubles, the late in the shot clock doubles. And having the ability to find DA as an outlet, as you can see, and as we both noted, that it was one of the most impressive plays of the game. Dem Booker gets uh, double teamed, uh, you know, way beyond, you know, 35 feet from the basket. He dumps it to DA. DA turns around, just makes the right pass to the right guy. Because if there's a double team, you have to have the ability to move the ball around quickly. And, yep. and this team is a very, very smart passing team. This is a Chris Paul team. You saw the effects of Chris Paul, although he wasn't there tonight, constantly in this team. 
And, and DA was, you know, part of that tonight. And I think that, you know, I was at one point going to rename the Suns Jam Session podcast, the Aiton Jam Session podcast, because I haven't seen him <laughs> dunk so many times. Uh, I'm yelling, I'm screaming, just like you. Like, I, I generally watch Suns games, and I'm absorbing, I'm annotating, I'm taking my notes. This is one where I was hooping, hollering, yelling, screaming. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was, I was having a good old time with this game. Uh, sorry to everybody in the neighborhood who had to hear me, you know, go crazy. But the other thing I really want to point out is he was, you know, he really is that true anchor on defense. And you got to see that a little bit with him being wired up on ESPN tonight. The way that he was calling out defensive sets and trying to get his guys engaged defensively. This is the thing that we always kind of talk about. Uh, but it was nice to actually hear him say some of his comments to his teammates throughout this game because that's what makes him successful. Their switchability on defense. The fact that we have so many wings and we can defend a team that likes to play five out was something that they really haven't seen yet in this playoffs. Luka Doncic and the Mavs and the and uh, you know Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz, they don't have the wing depth that we do or the switchability on defense. You, you can't tell me that Rudy Gobert is sitting there calling out defensive sets knowing that he can go out and guard the three-point line and guard the interior. He's an interior guy. You should have heard Tim Kempton on the pregame show, man. He was ripping Rudy Gobert. He's like, I have no idea why this guy is the defensive player of the year. It was fantastic. But what do you think of D.A. Uh, calling out defensive sets and just continuing to be that constant, consistent anchor for the Suns? But that's what he does, and that's what Chris Paul and Monty Williams wanted him to do. I mean, they said it from the beginning of the year. Your focus is being the anchor on defense. If you do nothing other than that, you will be a success this year. And he's done that, and he's brought the offensive game, especially here in the playoffs. So 100% getting exactly what they had hoped for on the defensive end from DeAndre Ayton. And that's why they've been one of the best teams, if not the best team defensively, throughout the playoffs is it's that communication it's his heads up play it's his ability to actually go out and guard at the perimeter like you said Gobert wasn't doing that that's why I heard oh well look Rudy Gobert got torched by this Clippers team so why does anybody think DeAndre Ayton is going to be able to do it and and this was a lot of NBA Twitter obviously people who haven't watched the Suns don't understand DA's game. And it's like, no, it's because he's athletic. It's because he can do these things that Rudy Gobert was not capable of doing. And that that's why this, this small ball that the Clippers tried in, in Utah isn't going to work against, uh, against DeAndre and the Suns because he's just too versatile. He came through and he proved that today. Now I'll give credit to Tyron Lue. He understood that the second unit didn't have a guy that could could compete defensively, especially if the Clippers went big when DeAndre went off the floor. It was the first chess move of this series, and Tyron Lue in the first half won that to perfection. He got what he wanted out of that. Didn't work in the second as the Suns adjusted at halftime, and there's going to be a lot of that in this series. There's going to be little moves that work in a first half that the other coach adjusts, adjusts to in the second half and shuts it down. That's that's why these two coaches are in the Western Conference Finals. But for my money, I'm always going to trust Monty Williams over Tyron Lue in tight situations. Well, and I'm also going to trust this team and their way to execute Monty's game plan because they truly are an extension of Monty Williams. I can't necessarily say that for the Clippers for a couple reasons. You know, one, I don't watch every Clippers game and I haven't lived <laughs> and breathed every moment of Clippers basketball. But they are a team that has guys who can 
you know, have been reputations of having egos. And, you know, one of the guys you're referencing is DeMarcus Cousins, who came out and had 11 points in his first five minutes. Mm -hmm. And he was abusing some guy. He was abusing him pretty good. The Sarge Smoke Break. You know, what's what's sad is when I saw Dario come in in the fourth quarter for that brief stint, two words came across my lips and they were, oh, no. Dear Lord, <laughs> oh, I just uh, look. Get the get the gas soaked rags, put them all around that circle K, and flip the match. Burn the thing down because Dario does not deserve. Uh, <laughs> actually, Dario should just be on a smoke break if he's gonna if he's gonna do that on offense. Again, he looked lost, flopping around on the floor when he's trying to make uh, oh, make moves, God. and then he got abused by Demarcus <laughs> Cousins, right? I haven't, I haven't seen somebody – I'm not even going to make that joke. It was bad. It's a cousin's joke. You can go there where you want, right? Think about it. But, man, Dario got abused by a cousin, all right? That was just not cool in any way, shape, or form. DeMarcus was looking around, saw all the purple in the building, thought, I'm in a king's uniform again. I'm going to play like I'm in a time machine, and I'm an all-star. And uh, Dario could do absolutely nothing to stop him. Now, I'm not going to say, Frank, uh, Kaminsky could have done a whole lot better, but at least he's taller, I guess. That's all I got. I, like, it was just, it was bad. When DeMarcus well, Cousins is abusing you, that is problematic. Well, and they showed the graphic, you know, up to this point in the playoffs, DeMarcus Cousins had a total of like 12 points. He's He's been unplayable. And you put him in against Dario Saric. Dario Saric came in like the next dead ball. Ty Lue's like, okay. Put put into Marcus. Like if this <laughs> yeah. happens, we're going at him. And Dario played into his hands. You know, d- defensively, Dario couldn't do anything. I mean, he literally got posterized and got the foul and fell down. You know, there's one play that was an offensive foul on Boogie where the, he just he got plowed right in the in the uh, the jaw. And I don't think it necessarily was an offensive foul, but just to see him get plowed in the jaw over and over and over again while they reviewed it in slow motion, it was just so painful, man. Look. That was that was the most that's Dario moment that's I've ever seen. Dario. Like Dario's awkwardness drew that offensive foul because it wasn't an offensive foul. Dario happened to turn at the exact moment Demarcus was making a move and he got hit because he's awkward. That was that that was the play and that was the most valuable play he had in this game today. I just I want to root for this guy. I, I want do too. to see him come through. But man. You cannot play him if DeMarcus Cousins is out there. It's just well, it's not going to end well. And as I looked and previewed this series ever so briefly with Matthew on the last edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast, I felt that because of you know the lack of depth at the big for the Clippers that he could potentially have an impact. And who knows? We have a long series ahead of us, and he's going to have an impact at some point. He's going to hit a couple threes, and we'll be sitting here afterwards. But like, you know what? That's Dario. You just don't know when he's going to, you know, show up and show out. But when you have Cam Johnson wide open the corner and you don't drive or I'm sorry, and you do drive and you get your pocket picked. And then the next time you have the ball and Devin Booker's coming around for a handoff, you don't do it. And you decide to dribble it off of your foot. Just stop, Dario. Stop. And I think I figured out the reason why he was just so bad tonight. He's the only guy out there with white shoes for the Suns. It doesn't match the Valley uniforms. <laughs> it's got to be what it is. But Dario, take a smoke break. Just relax, man. Like I, I, like you said, I don't know if Frank Kaminsky is the answer. But it's got to be better than what we saw from Dario, right? Or put Tory Craig on him. At least, he, at least he won't be afraid to 
to put some muscle. Look, Dario was that uh, was that dollar store tissue today. He couldn't do anything to stop a boogie. <laughs> all right, there's just nothing that was that was stopping that boogie. So oh, it, it was not great. Oh man, Espo for the win. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, looking at some other aspects of this game, obviously Chris Paul was not available tonight due to COVID-19 protocols. So Cameron Payne got the start. And I do want to talk about both Cameron Payne and Etwan Moore because that was the change in the rotation. Generally, it's it's CP3 followed by Cameron Payne coming off the bench. Monty kind of bumped everybody up. Instead of the way that I thought it should be, maybe Etwan Moore getting the start and having Campaign still come in and, and spell that second unit and ultimately probably finish the game running it with the ones. It was you know the other way around. Campaign, 29 minutes, 5 for 10, from the field, uh, which he actually finished four for five because he was like one for five to start. Uh, so he had 11 points, but nine assists for him tonight. Uh, the five fouls was the big thing that ultimately put the ball into Devin Booker's hand, which allowed him to get to his triple-double. But tell me what you saw from both campaign and Etwan Moore this evening or Etwan, this afternoon. Uh, Etwan, I, I just don't like that matchup against Reggie Jackson. Me he doesn't either. have the foot speed to stay in front of Reggie Jackson. You know, which is concerning. I, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe Pat Beverly is a better matchup for him. Uh, you know, similar foot speed, but uh, he, Reggie Jackson's going to go off if Etwan is the matchup uh, in this in another game in this series. Now we don't know. I, I've said this a couple times, but we literally have no clue what is going to happen with uh, with CP3. I mean. I'm not a virologist. Yeah, that one of those things. <laughs> I'm not one of those. I, you know, I don't understand viral load. All right, it sounds like a dirty term to me. You know, if it, I, you I can't just, do I, that to me, Espo, when I'm taking a drink of beer here. I almost just all over my computer. <laughs> I can, and I just did. All right, but look, I don't, I don't, I don't understand viral load, and that's fine, right? Uh, you know, as long as, uh, as long as somebody testing CP3 understands it, I, and I hope. That we get to that second, you know, two, uh, two negative tests by Tuesday, but I'm probably not feeling very good about it. If we weren't, you know, we haven't heard anything. We didn't hear. Oh, we got one positive, one negative test. We heard, we've heard Jack, right? So now he has to taste negative today, and tomorrow, or tomorrow, and Tuesday. I don't know. Those aren't odds that I necessarily like. If you know, if DraftKings came to me and was like, hey. I'll give you odds on CP3 playing uh, on Tuesday, and they'll, they'll be favorable. I'm still probably betting against him not, just based on on what's going on, and that pains me to say. But it just so so you got to look at this and go, okay, what adjustments can you make? And I think you actually go to Javon Carter instead agree. of Etwan Moore, and and bank on the defensive side of things, right? Well, and and you look at how the Clippers were attacking campaign. They had Nicholas Batum picking up full court pretty much the whole game. That's the the campaign J- Javon Carter tactic. Like, listen, we're going to tax you physically more than you want to. And when you take that in the context of the playoffs, it multiplies. And campaign was making some dumb fouls. He didn't have the greatest game. Uh, but, you know, again, those nine assists when he kind of realized like, oh, I have to be the distributor. Because, again, he had a tough time in that first quarter. And the whole team did. You know, they had four turnovers in the first quarter. He shot one for five from the field. And it was almost like Monty pulled him aside, pulled the whole team aside. And it's like, listen, like Payne, you got to be the distributor in this game, man. Like drive to the hoop. I don't need you sitting out there chucking threes. You know, yeah. you chuck threes when you're with the second team unit with the first team unit. That's not an effective offensive set for us. That's not going to provide us with the points necessary to beat a Los Angeles Clippers team that is pestering you this whole time. So if CP three 
doesn't play in game two. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%, Espo. When he wasn't available to play in game one, my first instinct was, dude, we don't get him the first two games in Phoenix. That's just, again, based on pure nothingness, just just based on my son's fandom and how everything goes in our lives for the past, you know, 35 plus years of being a Suns fan. It's like, it never, it's never how you want it. And the Suns, you know, through all that push through that tonight. And you hope that this, that occurs again on Tuesday night, but I agree with you 110%. Javon Carter is the answer because when you have Reggie Jackson, who just, like you said, foot speed, lateral quickness, you don't get that from Etwan Moore. Etwan Moore, uh, is more of an offensive player than he is a defensive player. And even tonight, he couldn't get his offense going. You know, in 11 minutes, he ended with zero points, had the, a, a couple assists, but a turnover. He's 0 for 1 from the field. So he was really a non-factor in this game outside of the fact that he was just giving up perimeter shots at will. And that's where that the Clippers really made that push in the third quarter. Those were the Eton Ton more minutes. If you go yeah. back and you look at the plus minus throughout the uh, the entire game, you know, he ended with a negative 11 and that was during that stretch. He just, he wasn't playing good defense. He's a nothing on offense. At least with Javon Carter, you get somebody who can hit threes and definitely can play defense. Yeah. Well, and the chat right now is saying, Oh, well, Javon isn't, isn't a distributor. I don't think you need a distributor in, with that second unit. You need a guy that's not going to give up points to that the, those backup guards for the Clippers. You need a guy that that just holds it defensively because, to your point, each one giving up those points to Reggie Jackson's where we saw the Clippers cut and then take the lead in the third. It was those minutes that cost them. So if you're playing strategically and you're just looking at the chess moves, the right move, I think, for Monty is to get defensive with that second uh, second unit point guard. Or if you're playing him at the two guard and splitting minutes where maybe Booker is in there uh, handling some of the ball on the offensive end. I, well, I just, you can't you can't get burned by Reggie Jackson because well, you've got a guy who, that doesn't have the foot speed. Who's the distributor on the Clippers? Is Reggie Jackson's the point guard, but he's not a distributor. No. So, I mean, you don't have to fall into these specific archetypes relative to the position. It's like you were point guard, therefore you are a distributor. It's like it's the modern NBA. Everybody's a shooter and a wing. And, you know, so it's it's pass the ball around. And you look at the, the Clippers, you know, here's your assist totals on, you know, today. Outside of Rondo, who had seven assists and led them in assists, coming off the bench, who is a true distributor and point guard. They had five assists from Paul George, who's ball dominant, four from Reggie Jackson, three from Nicholas Batum, one from Morris, and one from Terrence Mann. And that's their starting five. You know, so the Suns, conversely, have 11 from Booker and nine from Campaign. So our backcourt pro provided 20 total assists to their backcourt, where if you put PG in there as the backcourt, you know, they had a total of nine. So, you know, again, we, we don't need to fall into archetypes. Like, well, you know, Javon Carter can, is not necessarily a distributor. We're not putting him in there to distribute the ball. Like you said, put him in there with Booker, who can distribute the ball. Put him in there with Point Dario, huh? Oh, God. Please, no. <laughs> Unless he doesn't look like Bambi slipping on the ice, uh, then maybe. But, yeah, look, I mean, I'm okay with Monty getting creative too, right? Because when to. he has, it, it tends to work. In money, I trust, right? And in most situations, that's been trust well-placed throughout this year. So wherever money decides to go, I'll trust in that. But I really think it will be in a defensive mindset. And you're totally right, uh, John. The it, it's We hear position as basketball, right? It's it's jammed down our throats constantly. But then when you, when you mention a guy like a Javon playing, it's, well, well he's not a distributor. He doesn't have to, to your point, be the typical archetype. You play guys to, to do certain things and make sure that the five together 
have everything that you need. And and he doesn't have to be the main distributor if he's the second coming off the bench. Hopefully it won't be a problem. Hopefully it's back to Chris Paul starting and campaign in with that second unit, but I'm just not counting on that right now. Yeah, neither am I. And again, that's why I thought this win today was so vital. I kissed my wife afterwards, and I was just like, we needed this one. And she's like, get away from me. What are you doing? You're so crazy right now. And that's that's what Phoenix Suns basketball does to us. It just it gets us going nuts. Is, is that uh, her usual response when you try yeah, to kiss her? Typically, typically. All right. She's like, what are you that- doing? Affection? No, we don't believe in that. Lissy well, uh, is her brother, so it makes yeah. a lot of sense, right? Well, no, I mean, I think it's just it's 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 weird. Just like some comments that were coming out of Jeff Van Gundy's uh, mouth today. Look at that well, little, Mark little segue. For that matter, yeah, yeah. But but here was my favorite one, and I want to get your opinion on this. Jeff Van Gundy was talking at nauseum, not at nauseum, but just for a good snippet there about how Mikhail is is the best cutter in the NBA. Do you really think that Mikhail Bridges? is the best cutter in the NBA? Well, I think what happened was Jeff Van Gundy saw a reel of Mikhail Bridges, 10 plays of him cutting to the basket, and just based everything off of that. Like, look, we're we're in this. National guys had no reason over the last handful of years to watch the Suns, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even this year, they didn't have that many national games. So Jeff Van Gundy... In you know, Mark Jackson, don't strike me as guys that are sitting there watching film of all 30 teams so they can have very eloquent, refined uh, opinions about each team, right? So my guess is when you cram for a test on short notice, you have recency bias based on what you've just seen. And I think that that was what was going on. Is, is Mikhail Bridges great at cutting? Yes. Is he the best in the league? Not yet. Not Not, yet. But I think you, you'll get there. Well, I did I did a little research and according to bballwriters.com, here was their list. They said Jimmy Butler, Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins, and Devin Booker. So yeah, I think he can get there. I definitely think that that's a strength of his and something that we'd like to see more is him cutting, doing a lot of the backdoor cuts. And it's where he can be successful a lot of times. And that's what really starts to get Mikhail Bridges going. You know, ended tonight with six for eleven from the field, 14 points two assists, one steal, and two blocks. So definitely just a typical Mikhail Bridges. I'm going to stuff that stat sheet and try to play the best defense I can against Paul George, who is – Paul George is just straight-up scary, man. I mean, remember, we're playing against a team that is without Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George at times just – I mean, at one point he was 7 for 12 from deep. He ended seven for 15. He missed his last three pointers, which were obviously huge in a six point win for the Phoenix Suns. But man, Paul George is going to be scary to watch over these next few games. Paul George is better without Kawhi Leonard. Fact. I think Paul George is an alpha. When you jam him next to another guy that wants to be alpha, I don't think he knows what, what to do quite as well, right? We're seeing it, but I don't think Paul George alone is enough. They don't have... They don't have the guy to play Robin to his Batman. Uh, you know, a, a man did that uh, in the closeout game against Utah, but then didn't do anything in this game. Uh, Terrence man, that is. So mm-hmm. look, uh, I like the Suns chances. If even if CP three is out all series and Kawhi's out all series, I like the Suns chances better than, than the Clippers because I just don't think Paul George is scary as he can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as fantastic as he was at times in this game is enough to to overcome what the Suns have as a whole. Another guy, you know, and I've said this all year, as Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges go, so will this Suns team 
you know, and yep. both of those guys had very solid games. Cam Johnson had 10 points on five of eight shooting, four rebounds, right? Off the bench. He hit it with 12 with points. 12, 12 points. Oh, yeah. excuse me. It does but, say but, 12. But, that but would his require 10, reading correctly. But, but his 10 were very vital uh, in that stretch that we needed him to be an, an, a secondary scorer next to Devin Booker. And uh, Tim Tompkins, former member of the Sun Solar Panel, is is in the chat, and he says uh, he's a good cutter, but certainly not the best about Mikael Bridges, which I think is you know spot on. And and as you mentioned, Espo, when you look at just the wings overall, look look at the wing performance. You know, again, I wrote a piece about on Brightside that came out yesterday about how vital these wings are going to be on defense, but offensively, Jay Crowder thirteen points, Mikael Bridges fourteen points. Uh, Tory Craig, eight points. Cam Johnson, 12 points. That's what you need for this team to to play solid five-out defense and still have the ability to score. And, I mean, Tory Craig was another aberration today. He was absolutely fantastic, hit some threes, but at the same time was taking it to the basket, took a mid-range shot. I mean, we saw a lot of different versatility from Tory Craig today that is really uh, telling going forward in the series because – He's somebody who has Western Conference Finals experience. He's somebody who we got for cash considerations. You know, I my opening part of my article yesterday was I was really talking about how, how frustrated we were at the trade deadline that the Suns didn't go and get a big man. And it looks like James Jones was playing che- uh, chess while we were playing checkers because in this series, wings is everything you need. And even as you mentioned earlier, when DeMarcus Cousins cooking, you could put Torrey Craig out there and disrupt him. And seeing Torrey Craig, Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, and their performance tonight, uh, and it's going to have to continue, obviously, through the season, or I'm sorry, the series, but it's just, it's very promising to see their performance. Look, every team that makes a run needs an irrational confidence guy. And Torrey Craig had a moment today that I circled and said, that's our Vernon Maxwell, right? That's the guy that's going to, that's going to make moves that he shouldn't. And even, and still look very good doing it. Right. DeMarcus cousins on Tory Craig, and he realizes it and he backs out to the three point line and all of a sudden decides he's embodying Chris Paul and Devin Booker and tries to put, uh, put uh, DeMarcus in the spin cycle and pulls up for the jumper. And he had everything down except for making it. Like yeah. it looked so good. It looked it, it, like, it looked like he was like, I'm, I got, I got fresh meat right here and I, I, I'm going to eat now. Like <laughs> it was, it was beautiful. And yeah, he didn't make the shot, but I love that. I love the guy. Uh, that that decides I'm going to I'm going to do things out of my weight class, right? Yes, and, and that's just Tory Craig. That that kind of mentality is what makes Tory Craig great. Because yeah, he may not be the most talented guy on the court, but he's going to play with the heart, the hustle, and the determination uh, that will beat most guys. And and I love that about Tory Craig. Yeah, I, I, irrational confidence, such a great way to put it. And you know, and a very uh, physical approach to the game, which is going to be needed in this series. You know, this is a team in the Clippers that aren't going to be afraid to get dirty. Patrick Beverly, DeMarcus Cousins, Marcus Morris. These are names of individuals who have been known to be, you know, tough guys or fake tough guys or whatever. They're going to try to bully you and play physical and having Tory Craig, Jay Crowder, even Cameron Johnson a little bit. And, and Mikhail Bridges, who is definitely punching below his weight class, but isn't afraid to back down to play these guys. It's, it, you know, draw a line in the sand. The Suns are, are, you know, we are the Sharks. 
And I, I yelled that a couple times tonight, you know, referencing DeAndre Ayton's recent article where he he realized that he's like, we aren't swimming with the sharks. We are the sharks. Like that's almost become like my new mantra. That needs to be something. Speaking of Armani mode, you know, you guys now have a partnership with a new uh, clothing company, correct? Yeah. Sadaka. You can go to sadakaco.com and check them out. Yeah. I mean, Armani mode tonight uh, on the day that you release that, that uh, t-shirt is almost poetic. You need to have one that says we are the sharks. I mean, like, it's just like we planned it. Yes. I, it's, it's I like we perfect. are the sharks. I want, I want swears for kids as a shirt. <laughs> I want spicy J's salsa. We're going to hit you with all sorts of, oh. of designs. We're going to have fun with it. But I, I like the, we are the sharks. Right. But the, the, the meme that comes to mind is Heisenberg mm. from, uh, from breaking bad where he finally goes, I'm the one who knocks. Right. Yeah. It's the moment where he realizes I'm no longer that teacher. I'm the villain, right? I'm the guy that's going to control what happens. That's been the last two series for the Suns. No longer are they the fun bubble boys. Are they the surprise guys that we saw in the regular season? They know that they have this in their control, that they can go out there and they can will their way to doing what nobody expected them to be able to, and that other people should be afraid of them, not the other way around. Yeah, we, you know, the hero has become the villain, just like Heisenberg essentially did. And I'm okay with being the villain because you see it a lot on Twitter and social media. For those of you who live in that space, you see it a lot. There's there's some Suns haters out there now. And it's nice to have Suns haters come at us with, you know, they're frustrated with our success, not making fun of our lack of success after yes. all these years. You know, I think a lot of us Suns fans have really earned it. And that's why we really enjoy these moments and we and we enjoy spending them with you, whether you are a jamster or a flaming baller, you know, it, it's fantastic to come together as a community and talk about these games, analyze what we've seen, and just be excited overall. I mean, again, there is a vibe in the Valley of the Sun right now that only Suns basketball can bring, you know, and I'll tell you this. I went to a Dimebacks game last night against the Dodgers. <laughs> it was a Dodgers Sorry. home game like I've ever seen in my life. I go every time the Dodgers are in town, I go, and I've never seen it. So I ran into Alan Williams, said, what up, big sauce? You know, he was there. Uh, but it was just, it was unbelievable to see. And the it, I saw more Suns gear than I did Diamondbacks gear. Look, I'm just going to say this. The Diamondbacks are to baseball what 2020 was to years. All right? It is just that bad. They <laughs> should be sending the Derek Jeter gift basket to the Suns since nobody realizes what's going on over there. Oh because God. the Suns have dominated everything that that's up and you know what you shouldn't have brought that up as a dodgers fan i don't want to hear any d-back slander but i, I can I make fun nothing. of my own team damn it i slandered nothing <laughs> I, I, I avoided the slander now avoid look I, look this is a son's town uh, yes it's fully embraced this group devin booker is a true true star in this town uh, and is reaching a level that we've only seen a handful of guys get in the past. And I think that will only grow over the next few weeks. Uh, and this, this team, uh, this town, uh, the league at this point will embrace him in ways we never imagined. Which brings me right to my next segment. Cause I think it's easily, uh, we know who, what the answer is. Jam star of the game. 
This is a reminder to everybody who is watching. I didn't even give out these instructions at the beginning of the podcast. I was so excited. Uh, Wherever you're watching on YouTube, go ahead, subscribe, rate, review, give those thumbs up. If you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, please do the same. If you're watching along live, please let us know in the chat who your jam star of the game is. I think it's unequivocally, it's, it's Devin Booker. You know, his... I, I saw a stat. I think so says Jay, our buddy over at Fanning the Flames podcast, posted on Twitter. Uh, Booker assisted or scored on 43 of the Suns' last 50 points in this game. Uh, a triple-double for the first time since Steve Nash did it in the playoffs. The first playoff triple-double for a fit member of the Phoenix Suns since 2005. I mean, it, it, the... The, the, watching him grow up has just been fantastic as a Suns fan. Because trust me, you know when he was in year two and three, I was a frustrated Devin Booker fan. I'll admit it. You know, I, I've written things about it in the past where I just I didn't think that he could lead a team. I thought he was an all volume uh, guy, and he, per, he continues now as he's grown into his role and who he is. And you see the different aspects, as I mentioned earlier. You see the different aspects of his career and how it's culminating in this playoff run. It's unbelievably impressive. And, you know, to steal a tagline from the Jazz, take note, ladies and gentlemen, the, <laughs> the, the rest of the NBA is has front row seats to a superstar being born. And it's not in the same way that Donovan Mitchell or Trey Young or, you know, all these other guys are coming up. It's not the same way. It's the attitude that he has. He's a fucking killer, man. Like you see it in his face. He is business all the time. I was watching Donovan Mitchell in game six, two nights ago. He's screaming and yelling, you know, after he hits a three and, you know, you don't see that from D book, man. He's like, yeah, I hit that three. I'm supposed to hit that three onto the next. And I mean, easily my jam star of the game. Well, look, ye of little faith. Uh, if, uh, if that was what you were writing in years two and three, uh, he was a victim of circumstances in those years from the first, uh, you know, and I don't mean this as a humble brag, but I'm sure it, comes off that way but his first season was my last season with the team right i got to spend a lot of time around devin booker from when he got drafted until when i left the team in march this dude has had it i remember going to toronto when he was there for the three-point contest and for for the rising stars game and watching this guy and it was also kobe's last all-star game and mm-hmm. there was just something about him and the way he carried himself the way he approached it, the reverence he had for being part of that weekend. And you had felt it being around him in general, right? And it, he just had something special. He had it. He had that mentality, right? The way Kobe watched Jordan and started to embody things that Jordan did. You could tell that Booker wanted to do that with Kobe Bryant, right? And and it's evolved. And But the thing was he was a good kid too. Like you don't always get that from these guys, but he was a a good kid too. And I call him a kid. He was 18 at the time, but he was a kid. You could, you could see the foundational parts of this and he's just carried that. You're right. Every aspect of this journey, he learned something. Most guys pout and whine and go, get me the hell out of this city. And Devin Booker seemed to use those as lessons as building blocks. And, and, slowly has built up to where he is now and you're right he's got that look where it's like yeah i just scored 16 straight points but it's not enough i want to rip your heart out before this is over i i want to be the one that runs this game 
and you, I, I love it. I, we have never had a guy quite like that. Barkley was jovial. Nash was quiet, but didn't take those shots in the big moments. He was about getting his teammates the shots in the big moments. Devin Booker is a straight-out superstar with killer instinct, and that's why this feels different. You know, it's that mentality, and and I love it. 100% the jam star uh, of the game. Uh, but instead of that Mario clip where he gets the star... Devin Booker's the angry son that just is attacking Mario in that yes. level, right? And Mario's the Clippers, and they're in trouble because there ain't no water in the desert for them, right? <laughs> well, and it's just – it's the way that he does it on the court too. You know, I mean, he had a really good game, you know, behind the three-point line, better than he normally does. You know, he's three for seven. You know, I mean, typically Booker, a two-for-five game is solid. You know, he's not a guy who chucks up 15 three-pointers like Paul George did. But he ends with 40 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists, only had two turnovers in this game. And it was a lot, again, from the mid-range. You know, the the Los Angeles Clippers outscored the Suns 20-13 to 13 relative to the three-point line. They made 23s in this game, and they lost by six. The Suns only made 13. It's because Devin Booker is the master of the mid-range. I am going to get to my spots. You're going to try to double me. I see it coming. I'm going to beat you with quickness. I'm going to get to my spot. And I mean, it was bonkers what he was doing in that second half tonight. It was absolutely insane. And you're right. You know, we've never had somebody who is our version of a Michael Jordan, somebody who is our version of a Kobe Bryant, somebody who's just a straight cold blooded killer who you have confidence every time he shoots the ball. And he, and tonight I did tonight, every chance he, he had, he was putting it up, and it felt like it was going in. And you know what? If, if he barely missed, it was it was just by that barely. It was a left-handed layup when he was taking on the entire team. You know that was pretty much it. You know he did score those forty points, uh, going fifteen for twenty-nine from the field. So twenty-nine forty, I'm okay with that efficiency, especially with you know your all NBA second teamer out with COVID nineteen protocols. Uh, you know, and there's so much more. We're, we're just tapping the potential of this guy. Like you said, he's twenty-four years old. This is his first playoff run. And he's got this team in the Western Conference Finals, and he's up one nothing after a triple double performance when his team needed it, uh, and w- with the crowd behind him, and still not looking happy afterwards. You know, I stayed, I watched the interview with Rachel Nichols, and he was just like, "Dude, Da was big." He's like, he, "He's like Da and Sarge, thanks for those screens." Oh yeah, he look. We won't see Devin Booker in a moment where it's joy until the job's done, right? Mm-hmm. And then the first thing he's probably thinking of is, how do I get that gold medal? And the second thing he's thinking of is, how do I repeat? Right? Yep. That There's going to be like five minutes that Devin Booker enjoys it before he gets back to business because that's the way he's built. And that's the way this team is going to win. Uh, I saw, I think it was Gerald Bourget mm-hmm. uh, on, on Twitter said, Devin's out here looting, which was a reference back <laughs> yeah. to the people. Uh, I don't remember what national guy said. He's a looter and a riot. He can only score because, you know, everybody else sucks around him. And mm-hmm. then the other the other guy, somebody responded right after. So this is what a riot looks like. And I was like, <laughs> thank you. People remember these things. People remember the crap that Devin Booker took all these years. And somebody in the chat said, and they're 100% right. The only way you can hate Devin Booker right now is hating him for a success that you're seeing now. 
And and I'm fine with that. I am fine finally being the team that has somebody that other teams hate because he's so damn good. It's our turn. We've we've waited a long time for it. And I did want to spend a couple minutes before we get out of here today uh, sharing our thoughts. Thoughts. Um, brains? You know, right after this, and, and again, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves in any way, shape, or form. We have a tough series that lies ahead of us. But you're always looking at the Eastern Conference. We have a Game 7 that's going on tonight between the Sixers and the Hawks, and the Nets lost last night. Again, I was at the Dimebacks game. I was watching the game on my phone the whole time. My wife's like, why didn't we just stay at home? Because you're watching, <laughs> you know. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's a valid point. It's really hot in this stadium right now. Uh, but the Bucks winning, and that's going to be a tough team if we're blessed enough to get to the NBA Finals or the Sixers, or the Hawks. I mean, whoever's on the other side, it's it's not going to be easy if we get there. But knowing the Nets are gone, what are your thoughts on the Nets as we wrap a bow on their season and tell them to go away? Well, my irrational Suns fan mind gets put at ease a little bit because I thought, you know the way this is really going to end? It's going to be the Suns make it to the finals Amen. against the Nets. It goes seven games, and you got to watch Nash, Amari, and Dan Tony win a title on, on Phoenix's home court. Well, you know what? That irrationality is out the window now. Thank and God. I like that. And when you look at it, what's on the table, right, in all likelihood is you got to take care of the Clippers and beat L.A., has always been a massive thing for Phoenix, regardless of which L.A. team it is, and you could do it twice. Then it's it's likely either the timeline versus the process, which mm-hmm. it will be fascinating as those two teams took a route that many people uh, trashed to get get better, or you're playing the Bucks, the team that came into the league at the same time as you, the team that beat you in the coin toss for Lou Alcindor that many people believe started whatever the hell the curse that has gone on with the Suns has been. It's like all all debts come due right now, and, and I like that. It's a revenge tour, and you got to focus on on the Clippers. The Clippers have come back from 2-0 multiple times. So don't don't as Monty says, don't get happy on the farm. Amen. Right? And I because think when you get happy valuable. on the farm. You know what happens when you get happy on the farm? You end you up milking the cow. Oh, no, you get <laughs> slaughtered. Like, right? <laughs> you don't be the fat no. pig on the farm because you're going to go, you're going to be somebody's bacon soon enough. All right. No, no love for the Hawks. I don't know. I just, uh, you know, here's but, that, here, here's but, okay. that narrative. I'll give you that narrative. That's the, the sons and the Hawks made the right pick and Lucas sitting there watching them. Uh, yeah. And then the DA gets to prove himself that, Look, I was the right number one choice. So anyway, any way, shape, or form, things are coming due. You know, yeah. and but don't overlook the Clippers. One game is great. You did it without CP3. Give Amen. me three more. Give Amen. me three more. Like that's when we can talk about the finals and who's the who's the matchup and and the chances for a championship. One game at a time. Game one was fantastic and fun. Let's hope that maybe there's only three more we have to have to go through. I'm guessing we got a bit of a roller coaster. I'm saying Suns in five. And I said it said it the other day. I'm going to stay with that. Uh, but game one in the books, and it was uh, it was the way you hope it went. Amen. And you know, real quick, I'll just give my two cents on the Nets. Thank God, glad glad they're done. I hate seeing teams like that are constructed in that manner win. Uh, I hate seeing Blake Griffin and James Harden play the way they did in their former cities just to force themselves out and to go and play with KD and uh, Kyrie Irving. I, I'm glad to see that wasn't rewarded. And Kevin Durant. You, my friend, are a beast. 
And maybe you don't need all of these other superstars around you. Maybe you just need to be on a team and allow all of that extra payroll to be allocated to players who complement what you can do and you can be successful. And that will finally get people off of your jock, man. Because when you go to Golden State and, and you, you, know, you chase a championship there and now you're doing it in Brooklyn, it's, it's not good for the sport of basketball because you're such a talented player. KD is probably my favorite player who's not a member of the Phoenix Suns. And to see what he did last night was unbelievably amazing again. But also, I'm glad to see him lose. But KD doesn't have the mental makeup to be the guy to be the man. He doesn't have what we were talking about that Devin Booker has. He has fear in him, and you can see it. That's why he surrounds himself. He needs a safety blanket with other stars, and then he can go out there and feel comfortable enough to be the man, to take these shots. But the funniest story to me is KD wears size 18 shoes, <laughs> despite the fact that he has a size 17 foot, because he likes <laughs> the extra room in his shoe. That to me says everything. He needs that sense, little sense of of safety, right? And if he wore the size seventeen shoe, they're in the they're in the Eastern Finals because that's a three, not a two, at the end of that. Screw that. And you know, speaking of fear, <clears throat> fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to <laughs> anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. And that's what he's doing right now. He's suffering as he's boarding a plane headed to Cancun because he's not going to be in the NBA Finals. Hey, so he's going to be in Japan with Devin Booker, but Devin's got more work to do than he. Does. Well, it's because he, he the reason he's joining Team USA is because he wants to play with Devin Booker finally. So, by the way, shout out to my younger brother and my Father's Day gift for those of you watching on the stream: a sticker of Dario Saric with a cowboy hat riding a megalodon. So. <laughs> Dario Sharkich. <laughs> yes, I thought I thought you guys would enjoy that. Oh, that's it? fantastic. Uh, so, Kodakit in the chat was that Kermit? That was my best. Mm, Yoda. I don't know. Yoda and Kermit are the same person. Yeah, it's the same thing. They're both <laughs> little green guys who have mm, kind of a funny voice. There, Miss Piggy. Totally different, as you can see. All right. On that note, I we clearly have gone over the hour mark. Uh, looking forward to game two. It's going to be Tuesday, six o'clock Arizona time. We'll be right back here live. Uh, this is a reminder to everybody who is watching along live to please subscribe to the podcast on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. You can follow our show at Suns Jam on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow the Sun Solar Panel at Suns Solar Panel on Twitter. Are you on Instagram or TikTok or anything cool yeah, like that? We're on, we're on Instagram at Suns Solar Panel, but uh, someone slacked off on uh, on posting <laughs> there. So uh, that someone is probably the guy talking right now. So. Yeah, you know, it's it's a different it's a different platform. It's not as easy yeah, to you communicate. Know. You communicate through pictures, and no one really wants to see pictures of us doing our podcast. No, or, or pictures of us in general. <laughs> yes, so. but they do want to see pictures of that sticker, so maybe you should put that on your Instagram well, so may, everyone maybe, can see what yeah. you're talking about. Right. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up button. Let everybody know where the best content relative to the Suns is on the interwebs. Uh, looking forward again to game two and, and you know getting the whole gang back together again and doing this. But Espo, this has been fun. Any final words before we depart here today? Yeah, to hell with the rest of those guys. Let's just ride uh, you and I, <laughs> ride or die, brother. Uh, look, I, one one thought. Damn you, East Coast. Why does the Suns game have to start at 6 o'clock, all right? I'd be really mad if I weren't working from my own home. But, you know, I can get downstairs to the TV in an hour after I'm done working. It takes a little while now. But, like, <laughs> why 6 o'clock? It's two West Coast teams. I don't care about the East Coast, you know? Me Anyways, neither. I'll Me be no, here. I'm, I'm... 
I'll be here it. either way. So, and I'll be watching either way. But I just well, need to get that out. The bright, the bright side for us is that means the game's going to end an hour earlier, so we don't have to stay up till ten thirty at night doing the podcast. We'll only be up till nine thirty at night. So you got to look for the silver linings. Sure. Okay. Great. I'll tell you what. When doing the podcast live, when we were doing them after those eight p.m. games, before the rest of the country did the fall back, spring forward, daylight saving shit, that was a pain. And here I am. You know, th- these are. Uh, Suns fans problems because the majority of you who are watching along live in the chat, you're coming to us from Malaysia, Argentina, <laughs> yeah. uh, Australia. So thank you all for joining us. We truly appreciate it. It's fun to get together and talk about these games. It's fun to win game one of the Western conference fucking finals. Uh, and we'll be here live after game two. So, you know, thank you everybody for watching. And as Matthew Lissy always likes to say, go home and love your family. Oh, hoy, hoy. <laughs>